You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works number 266, the first of three volumes by Rudolf Steiner, entitled From the Esoteric School, Esoteric Lessons 1904-1909, translated by James H. Hines. I am beginning here in this section, these are not really in chapters, some of the lessons are very short, some are longer. Uh, I'm trying to do them by years and splitting a year into so many sections. This is either going to be three or four sections. Uh, for the year 1908, beginning now with esoteric lesson given in Berlin on January 7, 1908. Record A is from Anonymous, from a notebook by Günther Schubert. Record B is a manuscript from Camilla Wandry, notes from Günther Wagner. Record A. If we want to observe profitably an esoteric figure, the hexagram, such as we saw in the last hour, it is not enough for us to stare at it constantly. We must rather paint it before the soul again and again in quiet hours and meditate on the meaning of the individual colors. Only in this way will we achieve the benefit and usefulness that esoteric signs of that sort can have if we observe them in the proper way. For all the wisdom of the world is given to us in just a few esoteric figures of that type. And by immersing ourselves in them gradually, the spiritual connections in the higher worlds will become clear to us. Let us take two colors that stand opposite in the hexagram, red and green. These two colors stand across from one another with full intention. What might the red color signify? Or the green color? We find the green color outside in the plant world that covers the earth with its blanket. And what is the human being's relationship to the plant? We know that the human beings on Saturn lived an existence that corresponds in a certain way to present-day minerals. Not that humans have ever been minerals. Our present-day mineral kingdom is actually the youngest kingdom of nature. We know further that human beings led a plant-like existence on the sun. Today a greenish fluid flows in plants. A similar fluid flowed through the human beings of that time. If one could magically press astral components into a plant today, it would turn red. Through the fact that humans on the moon received an astral body, the inner fluid was dyed red. It turned into red blood. Consider this. Plants are chaste. They have no desire, passions, anger, fear, anxiety. Through the fact that humans became worse than plants in a certain sense, They received something that raised them above the plants, wakeful day consciousness. 
Let me read that sentence again. Through the fact that human beings, excuse me, that humans became worse than plants in a certain sense, they received something that raised them above the plants, wakeful day consciousness. The plant world of today is sleeping. A plant is an inverted human being. With its roots, a plant points to the center of the earth, where its I is to be found, capital. Exactly the same force that works downward in a plant works in the opposite direction in a human, upward. The fact that human beings received blood expresses the arrival of the I. The expression of the I is red blood. If you observe the inner surface of a green leaf with spiritual eyes, it will appear to you as red. This red power is, so to speak, spiritual. If one sees a red spot against a white background, looks at it sharply, and then looks at the white surface, then a green spot will appear, and vice versa. These colors are called complementary colors. Thus, also in such a physical phenomenon, the inner spiritual relationship is expressed. Or let us take two other colors, blue and orange, which are opposite each other. Orange has two aspects, orange and gold. Where do we find blue in nature? When we look up to the limitless distances of the vaulted heavens. And where is gold? We see gold backgrounds on paintings by the old masters. These old masters still painted according to a tradition that possessed some knowledge of the appearances and beings of higher worlds. When we look out into the heavens with spiritual eyes, it appears in golden depths. For this reason we see angel heads on the old paintings against a golden background, because if you look out into the heavens spiritually, it appears to you in golden colors. Thus we must seek to gather together what lies in spirit scattered in the entire cosmos for the composition of our soul. Just think of how all the foods that serve to build up our bodies lie scattered over the earth. Picture that very clearly. It is exactly the same in terms of the spirit. Out of chaos, the soul also must gather together what is suitable for its composition. When a soul begins to meditate this way, an organ in the physical body begins to develop the mucous gland. The mucous gland is, in a normal average person, an organ behind the pineal gland, hardly as large as a cherry pit. However, it contains disproportionately powerful forces. It regulates, namely, the proper composition of the body with respect to size. The so-called giants that are put on display have a disease of the mucous gland, The forces set in motion by it must express themselves in some way. When a meditant begins to work on him or herself, forces in the mucous gland are awakened. The organic formation of the astral body, out of the chaos of feelings and sensations, takes place from out of the mucous gland. 
when the mucous gland causes golden threads to flow around the pineal gland, then the time has come when the transformation of the astral body into spirit self, into manas, has progressed far enough for the etheric body to be transformed into buddhi. Those who meditate in this way on esoteric signs of this sort will be purposefully working on the formation of their higher bodies. Sometimes the soul secretly grows incredibly fast in a very short time. One could say that inner development does not need time at all, but rather only deep inner serenity. End of Record A Record B Meditate on the hexagram. Point upwards is red, downwards is green. Opposites, complementary colors. Green is the color of plants, red is the color of human blood. Humans could achieve progress only by also putting up with desires and passions. That portion of the earth's astral body which belongs to the plant world is red, thus physically green, spiritually red. The plant. With plants, the red astral forces point downward to the center of the earth, while the same forces in humans have turned around and point upward. Green and red, opposites, so also blue and orange, that is, in one of the two aspects, gold color, bracket, addition in a different hand, violet and gold color, close bracket. These two are complementary colors. In the physical realm, the heavens are blue, in Devakan, gold, as was still painted on old paintings from early Middle Ages, thus the other opposites. By observing such symbols given to us by the Masters, we order and shape our astral body, especially the aura, into manas. All possible, unimportant, external experiences can draw our attention to these aspects of color, and thus our spiritual body is formed, shaped, and developed by making use of all possible scattered experiences just as our physical body assimilates all possible physical forms of nourishment gained from the entire ground of the earth. And as our astral body is ordered and organized, it has a special effect on the mucous gland or brain hypophysis, a small organ hardly the size of a cherry pit, which is, to begin with, associated with the growth of the body. Through such organization of the astral body, the mucous gland begins to shine brighter and brighter. It sends forth rays, and gradually with its rays it encompasses the pineal gland lying in front of it and stimulates it. As a result, the effects spread to the astral body and begin to impress and reorganize it. That's the end of that esoteric lesson. The next esoteric lesson was given in Munich, January 16, 1908, manuscript from Anna Weismann. Our last esoteric lesson was concerned with the great lawful regularities of the spiritual life as they are revealed in the course of human evolution, with the great spiritual powers that guide what happens on the earthly plane and take over from one another in their guidance. Today we want to speak in a somewhat more 
intimate way about the laws of the spiritual life as they unfold within the human being. Esoteric lesson given in Munich on January 16, 1908, manuscript from Anna Weismann. Our last esoteric lesson was concerned with the great lawful regularities of the spiritual life as they are revealed in the course of human evolution. With the great spiritual powers that guide what happens on the earthly plane and take over from one another in their guidance. Today we want to speak in a somewhat more intimate way about the laws of the spiritual life as they unfold within the human being. Those who are engaged in an esoteric training are in a certain sense waiting, are seekers. They are waiting for the day when a new world will open to them, a world other than the one they usually perceive. They are waiting for the day when they can say, quote, I see a new world. Between all the things that I could perceive in space around me, I see a profusion of spiritual beings that were hidden from me before. Close quote. In order to become very clear about this, you need once again to call up before your soul the seven conditions of consciousness that human beings, in the course of evolution, must pass through. The first state of consciousness that the human being had to pass through was a dull, dim degree of consciousness in which the human beings felt themselves to be one with the cosmos. This state or condition is called Saturn existence. In the Sun existence, the compass of consciousness decreased, but it became all the brighter. When human beings then lived through Moon existence, their consciousness was similar to what we experience as a last remnant in our dreams. It was a dim consciousness of picture. Here, on the earth, we have bright day consciousness, which will remain when human beings on Jupiter raise themselves to picture consciousness again, so that we will have a bright consciousness of pictures. Human beings will then raise themselves to two additional, higher states, the inspired and the intuitive. Thus, our bright day consciousness stands between the dim picture consciousness of the moon and the bright picture consciousness of Jupiter. And what the esotericist awaits, which will one day be revealed to him or her, is Jupiter consciousness. It will one day come upon each of you, one person earlier, another person later, depending upon ability, upon the degree of inner maturity. However, Jupiter consciousness is already present in its initial seed form in every human being. This future consciousness is already indicated in a very delicate way, but humans don't know how to interpret it. The esoteric life consists to a large extent in pupils learning to interpret subtle processes in themselves and in their surroundings. The old moon consciousness has not yet entirely disappeared either, but is still present in its last remainder. The two conditions in present-day humans, in which in one case the old moon consciousness is still present, 
and in the other case, the new Jupiter consciousness, is already present, are the feeling of shame and the feeling of fear. In the feeling of shame, where the blood is forced toward the periphery of the body, a final remnant of moon consciousness still lives. And in the feeling of fear, where the blood streams toward the heart in order to find there a firm center, the Jupiter consciousness is announced. Thus normal day consciousness swings in two directions. When we feel ashamed about something and our face turns red, we are experiencing something that recalls the moon existence. Picture humans on old moon. They could not yet say I, capital, to themselves, but rather lived in a dull, dim picture consciousness entirely embedded in astral forces and beings, with which they felt themselves to be in harmony. Imagine, my sisters and brothers, if one day the feeling were suddenly to dawn on such a moon human, quote, I am an I. I am different from others. I am an independent being, and all the other surrounding beings are looking at me. Close quote. From top to bottom, the entire moon human would have been glowing with an incredible feeling of shame. Such a being would have sought to disappear, to be annihilated for shame, if it had been able to feel such a premature eye feeling. Thus we too, my sisters and brothers, when a feeling of shame overtakes us, would prefer to disappear, to shrink under the ground, to dissolve our eyeness. Imagine how the old moon beings were embedded in harmony with the forces and beings in their surroundings. If they were approached by a hostile being, they did not think about it, but knew instinctively how to avoid it. They acted there with a feeling that if they had been conscious, they could have expressed somewhat in the following way. I know that the order of the world is not arranged so that this wild animal will now tear me apart, but rather the harmony of the world is such that there must be means that will protect me from my enemy. Thus old moon humans felt themselves to be in complete, unmeditated harmony with the forces in the universe. And if an I feeling had awakened in them, it would have immediately destroyed this harmony. And as a matter of fact, the I feeling, when it began to permeate human beings on earth, did increasingly create disharmony with their environment. A clairaudient hears the universe sounding in a mighty harmony, and when he or she compares it with the sounds that come from individual human beings, then today there is a disharmony, with one person more, with another less, but there is a disharmony. And your task in your evolution is increasingly to dissolve this disharmony into harmony. This disharmony arose through I-ness, but it was instituted with wisdom by the spiritual powers who rule and guide the universe. Had human beings remained in harmony, they would never have come to independence. Disharmony was instituted so that they could once again achieve harmony in freedom, out of their own power. This self-aware feeling for being an I, 
had to evolve at first at the expense of inner harmony. When the time comes for Jupiter consciousness to light up and human beings again arrive at an harmonious relationship with the forces of the cosmos, then they will preserve this self-aware I feeling into the new state of consciousness so that they will be independent and yet also in harmony with the universe. We have seen that the new Jupiter consciousness is announced in the feeling of fear. However, it is always the case that when a future condition begins to appear before its time, then it is premature and not in the right place. This will become clear to you with an example. If one takes a flower whose species should bloom in August and brings it to blossom in a hothouse in May, then in August, when it actually should blossom, it will no longer be able to unfold a blossom. Its forces will be exhausted and it will no longer fit into the conditions for which it was intended. And also in May, it will have to fall into ruin as soon as it is taken out of the hothouse because it does not belong in the conditions of nature of this time of year. It is exactly the same with the feeling of fear. It is not appropriate today, and even far less in the future. What happens in the feeling of fear? The blood is pressed toward the center of the human being, into the heart to form there a firm center in order to make the person strong against the external world. The innermost power of the I brings this about. This power of the I that works in the blood must increasingly become more conscious and powerful. On Jupiter, humans will guide their blood very consciously toward the center and be able to make themselves strong. However, what is unnatural and destructive about this today is the feeling of fear that is connected to this flow of blood. In the future, that must no longer be allowed to be the case. Only the power of the I, without fear, must be at work there. In the course of human evolution, the external world around us will become increasingly hostile. Increasingly, you must learn to set your inner power against the world pressing in on you. But in so doing, Fear must disappear. And especially for those who are undergoing an esoteric training, it is necessary, unavoidably necessary, that they free themselves from all anxiety and feelings of fear. Fear has a certain justification only when it makes us aware that we should make ourselves strong. But all of the unnatural feelings of fear that torture people must disappear completely. What would happen if human beings still had feelings of anxiety and fear and Jupiter consciousness arrived? Then the external world would be set opposite the human being in a much more hostile and terrible way. A human being who does not cease to fear here will fall into one frightening horror after another there. Already now this condition is being prepared in the external world and this will be shown to humans even more clearly in that terrifying age that will descend under the regency of Orifiel, 
concerning whom I spoke to you the last time. By then humans must have learned to stand solidly. Our present-day culture is itself creating the terrible monster that will threaten people on Jupiter. Just look at the gigantic machines that human technology constructs today with all its cunning. Human beings are creating in those machines the demons that will rage against them in the future. Everything that human beings create today in terms of technical apparatus and machines will in the future come to life and oppose them in a terrible and hostile way. All that is created out of a purely utilitarian principle, out of individual or collective egotism, is the enemy of humanity in the future. Today we ask much too much about the utility of what we do. If we really want to foster evolution, then we must not ask about utility, but rather we must inquire whether something is beautiful and noble. Everything that people do today in order to satisfy their artistic needs out of pure love of beauty, this too will come to life in the future, but it will contribute to the higher development of the human being. But today it is terrible to see how many thousands of people are kept from knowing any other activity than those done for the sake of material utility. They are cut off from all that is beautiful and artistic all their lives. The most wonderful works of art should hang in the poorest elementary schools. That would bring boundless blessings to human evolution. Human beings are themselves building their own future. We can get an idea of what it will be like on Jupiter if we clearly understand that today there is nothing absolutely good and nothing absolutely evil. Today good and evil are mixed in every human being. A good person must always say that he or she has only a little bit more good than evil within, but is not at all wholly good. On Jupiter, however, good and evil will no longer be mixed, but rather human beings will divide themselves into the entirely good and the entirely evil. And all that we cultivate today in terms of the good and the beautiful, serves to strengthen the good on Jupiter, and all that happens only from the point of view of egotism and utility strengthens the evil. So that human beings in the future are a match for the evil powers, they must gain mastery of the most inner power of their eye. They must be able, to consci- must be able consciously to regulate their blood so that it makes them strong in the face of evil, but without any fear. The force that drives the blood inward they must have in hand. But also that other ability, to allow the blood to flow from the heart to the periphery, must not be lost to them. For the Jupiter condition will, in a certain way, also signify the return to old moon consciousness. Human beings will again come into harmony with the great laws of the universe and feel themselves to be one with them. They will once again acquire the ability to flow together with the spiritual powers of the world, but not 
as they did on the moon, unconsciously and dimly. Rather, on Jupiter they will always retain their clear day consciousness and self-conscious feeling for self, and yet live in harmony with the powers and the laws of the world. Disharmony will then be dissolved in harmony. And to be able to let themselves flow into the harmony of the universe, they must consciously learn to let the inner power of their I radiate out from the heart. Thus they must be able to centralize the inner power of their blood when an enemy approaches them. And they must also be able to radiate them forth consciously. Only then will they be equal to future conditions. Those, then, who strive for inner development must begin already today to get these forces gradually more and more under their control. They do this by learning consciously to inhale and exhale. When humans inhale, then the forces of the I become active, the forces that connect them with the powers of the universe, the forces that radiate outward from the heart. And when human beings exhale and when they hold their breath, then those forces of the eye become active which push toward the middle point, toward the heart, and create for them there a solid center. Thus pupils are learning already today when they consciously carry out their breathing exercises in this sense, gradually to become master of the forces of their eye. However, no one should believe that he or she is allowed independently to undertake such exercises if he or she has not yet received any instructions for them. Everyone will receive them at the proper time. However, even for those who are not yet doing any exercises, it is never too early to familiarize oneself with the meaning of these exercises and to acquire an understanding for them. Later these exercises will be all the more fruitful. Thus, my sisters and brothers, you should always get more understanding even for the subtle processes within yourselves and in the entire universe and gradually grow into future periods of human evolution. The end of that esoteric lesson. The next esoteric lesson was given in Berlin on January 26, 1908. Record A is from Anonymous, from a notebook of Günther Schubert. Record B are notes from Günther Wagner. Record A. What we are striving for in the esoteric life is the achievement of another state of consciousness higher than the one in which we presently find ourselves. We are seeking to achieve a state that would only arrive on Jupiter in the ordinary course of events. Admittedly, this state arrives in a different way in esoteric pupils who go through this evolution beforehand. The human being on Jupiter will have an entirely different physical body than the one we possess today. In the everyday consciousness of all humans, there are conditions that recall the moon condition and others into which the Jupiter condition extends. When our faces become red with shame, then we are repeating part of the moon condition. In what way? On the moon we did not yet have blood. We know, however, that blood is the expression of our eye. Now, 
On Old Moon, all the forces that work today in our blood were located outside of us. There was not yet any feeling for our I within us. When we turn red with shame, we would really like to say, quote, Oh, if only I didn't exist, if I could sink into the earth, close quote. With this we force our blood outward, as it were, pushing ourself away. Another condition, which points to Jupiter, is the one that enters when we feel dread or fear as we pale. What is happening here? We force blood toward the heart in order to strengthen our eye. We do this instinctively to make us strong, to turn a danger away from us. On Jupiter the heart will become a voluntary muscle. We will be able to strengthen our heart as much as we want. For as a matter of fact, on Jupiter, incidents and beings will come to meet us for which we will definitely need to strengthen our eye. However, we must seek to reach a state in which we protect our eye in exactly the same way as with a feeling of fear, but without having a feeling of fear. When we inhale deeply and hold our breath, we are recapitulating a part of the moon condition. On the other hand, when we leave our breath outside, we have in that action a part of the Jupiter condition. This is connected with the question of whether the esoteric pupils receive exercises in which they must hold their breath because they must go through the moon condition in a certain way, or whether they receive exercises in which they must leave their breath outside because in that way they can achieve the Jupiter condition. Everyone is treated here individually. We know that already now the stream of humankind is splitting into two parts, one that leads to the good, the moral, and the other that leads to what is horrible and evil. Such conditions are already creating a path for themselves. The seeds are already present. Thus all that is present in the world today in terms of machines and instruments and is set in motion will evolve into terrible, horrifying demons. All that merely serves the principle of utility will one day strengthen into such terrible powers. This can be stopped if we transform the utilitarian apparatus into something that also proclaims beauty and the divine above all, in addition to its utility. It is very good for us to know this. Otherwise, powers of that sort will one day tear the earth apart. We see also how incredibly important it is that we surround children with artistic impressions during their education. Art makes one free. Even locomotives must one day be transformed into machines that are beautiful. Our feelings of fear and anxiety are nourishment for other evil beings. We must not allow thoughts of that kind to arise in us. For on Jupiter demons of that sort will surround us in much greater numbers. But there is nothing to fear in this regard for those who, like a clever person, keep their spiritual sheaths pure so that no flies can gather around the filth. The astral plane is actually a region of wisdom also the world of the physical. Disorder only entered 
through the descent of individual eyes with their egotism. Now a certain part of the cosmos came down to the physical plane at this point in time, so to speak, as a premature birth. This part is the comets. We still find in them the laws of wisdom in action. Hence the wonderful paths along which they span celestial space. And for this reason only a materialistic astronomer could assume a collision with the earth was their cause. Esoteric pupils must know all these things, for without knowledge they could not progress further. One day they must understand this. On Jupiter the human being will receive moon consciousness in addition to earth consciousness. Humankind is progressing toward spiritualization. That's the end of record A. Record B. There are three states of consciousness dimmer than our clear waking day consciousness and three higher states of consciousness which normally would be reached on Jupiter, Venus and Vulcan. Initiates reach these states on Earth. The three dimmer are from Saturn, Sun and Old Moon. The Old Moon consciousness appears in the individual experiences of humans atavistically in the feeling of shame. And looking to the future, the Jupiter consciousness appears in terror and fear. On Old Moon, the blood forces, the forces of the I feeling, capital, were still outside the human being. Only through the fact that the blood, with its forces, entered into humans, is the I feeling entirely in humans. The feeling of shame is the wish to hide oneself from other people, the desire to sink out of sight, to the desire to disappear. And so doing one drives the blood, so to speak, out of oneself, that is, as much as one can, to the surface of the body, hence blushing with shame. On Jupiter, the I feeling is much more powerfully developed than here on the earth. The opposites, good and evil, a good eye and an evil eye are much stronger there, a state for which the earth in the future will show preparatory evolution. There we will be confronted by demons much more evil than today, and we will need the entire power of the eye to withstand them and to work for the good in battle with them. A similar process of marshalling one's forces occurs already today when danger appears. Only now fear and terror are usually associated with it. The blood retreats to the heart, hence we become pale. This collection of blood, this concentration of the eye at the eye center, is a Jupiter phenomenon, which will be merely a gathering together without a feeling of fear. We must learn this gathering together in danger without a feeling of fear. In our evolution we ascend from the earth again to the heights of the earlier moon state of consciousness and the Jupiter state of consciousness, now connected to the clear earth state of consciousness. For this reason, on the path of evolution, an attempt is made to prepare the way for this Jupiter state now through breath exercises. By holding one's breath with one's lungs full, the blood is driven outward to some extent. It is the moon state, which together with the earth state produces the Jupiter condition. 
by holding one's breath with one's lungs empty, the blood is, so to speak, driven back. This condition is connected with a feeling of fear when one cannot get enough air. Only this process must be practiced without any feeling of fear. This exercise goes directly toward the Jupiter condition. Which of the two exercises must be undertaken depends upon the individuality of the pupil. Wisdom rules on the astral plane, also on the physical plane. When there were still no individual eyes present, wisdom and order ruled. Disorder and confusion appeared only when human beings, with their individual eyes, began to work independently on the earth. Now, there are beings or figures in the astral world who were condensed out of the spiritual, the astral world, actually sooner than corresponds to the normal plan, into physical existence. They are, however, still entirely guided by astral wisdom. Such beings or figures are the comets. The direction of their path in space is apparently threatening, for example, for the earth, but they are diverted into directions that apparently contradict physical laws, and the danger passes. They follow wise astral laws. Through the creation and formation of ideas that lead to a higher level, from forms of beauty, like cathedrals, musical compositions, and so forth, good demons are formed on Jupiter, and the foundational ideas will take on form in the physical nature that then unfolds. But those efforts and forms that serve only utility will create evil, wicked demons there and lead to ugly forms. If the principle of pure utility were to gain the upper hand here on earth, then destruction would come over the earth and it would not attain its goal. Useful things are necessary. One can work against this doom only if one adds the principle of beauty to the principle of utility when forming tools, machines, bridges, etc. Or if high noble thoughts of some kind, perhaps in symbols, comes to expression in their formation. Aside, there's additional notes in another hand. Altogether attempt to spiritualize every kind of work. What does contemplation bring about? To develop oneself into Jupiter consciousness through devotion. That's the end of that esoteric lesson. The next esoteric lesson was given in Berlin on February 12, 1908. There are a bunch of drawings in, here, in this one. Drawing and verse from Rudolf Steiner's notebook. Archive number 381 and number 536. Record A. Notes from Anonymous from a notebook of Günther Schubert. Record B. Manuscript from Matilda Scholl and Lilla Harris. Record C. Manuscript from Camilla Vondry. Notes from Günther Wagner. Editorial Notes. The symbols discussed in this lesson and the verse were apparently written at the beginning on a chalkboard and then explained. For this reason they are placed at the beginning here, first in the form in which they are found in Rudolf Steiner's notebook, archive number 381. Then follows a somewhat different version of the schematic from notes record B. This is followed by a summary undertaken by the editor of the symbol names that are found in the individual notes, as seen from various aspects. 
and facsimile of drawings from Rudolf Steiner's notebook are shown now. The following verse is a free rendering of an old Rosicrucian verse that is found in the book titled Secret Symbols of the Rosicrucians from the 16th and 17th centuries, Altona, 1795, reprint, Berlin, 1919. In the, in the original it reads, quote, Who rightly understands this table can see how one originates from the other. First, all lie hidden in the fourth numeral. The elements everywhere, out of these originate the three beginnings. Producing the two sexes, male and female, from sun and moon. The imperial sun grows out of this, unequaled in this world, surpassing all kingdoms. Close quote. Rudolf Steiner's first rendering. Who well understands this table can see how one originates from the other. First all lie in the fourth numeral, the elements everywhere. Out of these originate the three beginnings, producing the two sexes, male and female out of sun and moon. The inner sun, S-O-N, grows out of this, unequaled in this world, surpassing all earthly kingdoms. The version used in the lesson is found in Archive Notebook number 381. In Archive Notebook number 536, the verse is once again written. Only in line 8, instead of Son of Man, there is Son of Earth. Quote, Who understands the working of the numerals sees how his world is built. At first cipher, seek the four, the elements everywhere. From it, see the three begin to stir, spirit, soul, body, given to you. The two arise from sun and moon, From this grows the Son of Man, unequaled in this world, who surpasses all earthly kingdoms. Okay, uh, readers aside, then there's a few pages of notes and then a page of pictures, which I'm not going to describe. Now we begin with record A of this esoteric lesson. When a certain something was to be given to Rosicrucian pupils during a lesson, something with which they could pull themselves upright, with which they could raise themselves. Then from the wealth of esoteric symbols the following figures were put before their souls and the following verse was said. These symbols signify nothing at all abstract, but they must be permeated with feeling and with the intellect if they are to be understood. If if this happens in the right way, then those concerned experience truths that are of the greatest importance for their progress and development. The point signifies the point of life, from which all evolution originates. All life proceeds from a unity and leads into multiplicity. From unity originates the multitude. All that is otherwise present on the earth came forth from the human being. Nature is the human being, spread out, unfolded. In the human being is found mineral, plant, and animal. All the characteristics of the human being are found scattered again in the individual kingdoms of nature. The human being is the crown of creation. All that is present originates in the human being. In the second row, we see how evolution proceeds into multiplicity. 
but multiplicity must bring it about that unity again arises in its womb. This occurred in the middle of the Atlantean race, when human beings received their eye. At that time, human beings were still relatively simple. At present, they are already much more complicated. When we observe the third row, we see the symbols for the four elements. These elements are entirely different from those known to chemistry. The first symbol signifies earth, the second water, the third air, the fourth fire. The first element is best contained today in coal or in diamonds. It is therefore carbon. Humans exhale carbon, which is then absorbed by plants and is found again solidified in coal and in diamonds. One must consider the following. Entirely different circumstances prevail on the earth today than back then, when the first human being appeared. The human being could emerge only from the conditions of that time. The second element, water, is not even present today on the earth in its original state. It is reserved for technology to produce once again the original element. Indeed, it is what we characterize as oxygen. In earlier times, people drank oxygen as we drink water today. If we had only carbon and oxygen on the earth, we would age incredibly quickly. Oxygen has the ability to cause everything to live superfast, to renew constantly. For this reason, the third element, air, had to be added. It is present-day nitrogen. Nitrogen works to deaden, to dampen life. Without the influence of nitrogen, there would be no consciousness. The astral realm could not manifest. The fourth element is fire. Fire plays a large role in esotericism. It is the element of warmth. All four elements interpenetrate one another. With the help of fire, we are beings with our own warmth. Without that warmth, self-consciousness would not be possible. Through warmth, we have blood, the physical expression of our I. A burning process occurs. In this way, the human being has become a being with consciousness of self, as can be seen from the first symbol of the fourth row, the sulfur process. The second symbol is composed of the moon symbol and the sun symbol with the eye attached. The third symbol signifies the separation of the physical and etheric bodies. At the start of our evolution, the etheric and physical bodies were equal. Then the physical body was condensed and the etheric body, as the finer body, remained outside surrounding it. A similar process occurs with dissolved salt, which presents at first a milky-looking fluid from which the salt then precipitates leaving the finer water above. Hence, this process is called a salt process. The fifth row represents the double nature of the human being, which is intertwined. Read, uh, end of record A, readers aside, my apologies for there not being uh, a diagram for you to reference. I hope you perhaps get this book and then you can do that if need be. Okay, record B. The last two lines of the verse confirm that the human being surpasses all of the kingdoms. 
Each of these kingdoms has specific characteristic properties, such as, for example, hardness or flexibility, movement, odor, taste, etc. However, every development of any particular kingdom or species, be it of a mineral or plant or animal, is one-sided or specialized for that one kingdom or one species. However, in the human being, all of these various characteristics have been united in a, a harmonious whole, so that every possible characteristic of any other being is also present in the human being. It is not a valid objection against this assertion to say that some senses are sharper in other beings, for example, the sight of an eagle or the sense of smell in a dog. The organ for smell in a dog and the retina of the eye of an eagle are one-sided, special developments. However, since all the senses are combined in the human being, some of them, which have evolved further in other kinds of beings, had to be dampened so they would fit into an harmonious whole, which is what the human being represents. Whatever may be found in any kingdom outside of us, and whatever stage of development anything around us may be found at, we have passed through similar phases of evolution and have in such a way achieved the perfect organism that now belongs to us. We began as a unitary point of life and originating from this point we began to build up tools that have become increasingly complicated through many incarnations. The Saturn, Sun and Moon periods have gone before our Earth upon which we now live, and we are building increasingly perfected tools as is indicated by the two lines in figure two that are increasingly diverging. We created for ourselves a physical body, a life body, and a body of desires. And, finally, in the middle of the Atlantean race, these tools had become so perfect that the eye could live in them and begin to work through the different bodies. This is indicated in our esoteric script through the point, figure 3, that stands between the two lines going out from figure 2 in order to show that the eye entered when the bodies had reached a certain point in their evolution. The eye begins to be developed from this point, figure 3, and it does this by transforming the bodies in the soul. This line of evolution is represented by the gradually increasing space between the lines that go out from figure 3. The bodies that were developed first were gradually consumed and only the essence of the soul remains behind. You will notice that the monad begins as a mathematical point. At the beginning of evolution all possibilities are latent within it. Yet during the advance of evolution, if the static and there's a question mark there, force is transformed into kinetic energy, into dynamic force, which is indicated by the space between the lines that go out from figure 3. If the point of the esoteric script has achieved sufficient extension, then the weak and helpless monad will have become an independent divine creator. In order for the appropriate conditions to be brought about, for the monad to evolve to be human, to be a god, the elements are necessary. Yet the elements, as such, belong to our earth system, 
which encompasses the various conditions called Saturn, Sun, Moon, etc., and in other systems other conditions exist. These elements are indicated symbolically in the next line of our esoteric script. The first is the earth, not only the mineral earth, but everything that is solid. Iron, lead, human, animal, and plant bodies are considered to be earth in the esoteric sense. This element is best represented by carbon, which is found in the composition of all bodies in all kingdoms. We find carbon in its purest form in coal and in diamonds. It is taught that human beings lived on the earth before any of the other kingdoms existed, at a time when plants were not present to absorb the carbon from human bodies. And since we know that humans cannot exist without life-giving oxygen, there seems to be here a contradiction. Yet at that time there was no atmosphere as there is today on the earth. Human beings moved, so to speak, in a sea of flowing life, for oxygen was liquid at that time, as is indicated by the second symbol, water. Had only the element earth existed, then the human body would have hardened and would not have been able to continue evolving. However, when the second element, water, entered the human body through pressure from outside, then progress became possible. Just as the term earth designates everything in a solid state, so water is the esoteric term for everything fluid. Blood, for example, in esotericism, is water. And as humans at that time lived in a water atmosphere, their blood was as cold as that of amphibians. The water of life, fluid oxygen, was absorbed through osmosis. The same process of absorbing oxygen occurred then as today, but with this difference, that our oxygen now streams to us from plants that exhale oxygen. This oxygen keeps our bodies from hardening from an accumulation of excess carbon. It combines with the superfluous carbon in our body, carries it away, and brings it to plants as carbon dioxide. And the carbon builds up the body of the plant, while the purified oxygen is given back to us in order to preserve our bodies from crystallization. For this reason, carbon corresponds to the solid physical body and water, oxygen, to the fluid, etheric, or life body. If only these two elements were present, earth and water, then life would be lived too quickly. We would then grow old before we had had time to be young. The power bestowing oxygen would, with the help of the life body, be absorbed in such quantities that it would consume the organism too quickly. For the life body is a constant battler against the death of the physical body. It is always concerned with upbuilding, and in its concern to preserve the solid body, it would go too far unless it were restrained. This restraining influence is found in the third element, air, which is called azoth in mysticism, and in its working corresponds to the body of desire which also works against the efforts of the life body. If only the two elements, earth and water, were present, then there could be no consciousness. But the war between the two elements, earth and water, 
between the body of desires and life body, between nitrogen and the other chemical elements, oxygen and carbon. This battle between the elements is the cause of consciousness. The destruction of nerve cells and cell tissue produces warmth and sets the fourth element fire into motion. If there had been only three elements, then the human body could never have become the bearer of the eye. For the eye still cannot now work directly in the air. It can descend only as far as warmth. For this reason, the physical body had to be evolved up to a point where it could become an independent source of warmth, where it could have warm blood, excuse me, could have warm blood in a special instrument, separated and set apart from all other beings. That only became possible through the fourth element, fire. The uniting of fire with the eye is represented in the next line of the occult script that is before us and is symbolized by a triangle with a cross. It's a cross and then a triangle on top of it. Readers aside, end of readers aside. The reason why the eye is represented under the form of a cross will later be shown. This is the symbol for sulfur or phosphorus. These make thoughts in the physical realm possible, since they are contained in the brain and in nerve centers. The following symbol, and it's a circle with a cross underneath it and a moon above it, like horns, consists of three parts. It reminds us of the distant past when events occurred that made possible this uniting of the eye with its bodies. The three parts are the circle, the symbol of the sun, the half-circle, the symbol of the moon, and the cross, the symbol for the earth. Had sun, moon, and earth remained united, then no such symbol could have come into existence. However, when what was a planetary body was split apart, the sun from earth and moon, and later the earth from moon, these processes were incarnated in this symbol, which is called Mercury, because this liquid metal best represents the states, conditions that such a separation makes possible. Mercury is also the symbol for the intellect, because only the separation mentioned above of sun from the earth and the later separation of the moon from the earth could bring about the environment necessary for the intellect, the eye, to evolve. The last symbol in this line of the esoteric script is a circle with a diameter drawn through the middle. In alchemy, this is the symbol for salt. It represents the separation of the life body from the physical body. During the moon period, these two members of the human being, these two instruments of the spirit, were of the same consistency, figure four, as a saturated solution of salt. But during the earth period, a process occurred similar to the precipitation of crystals in a salt solution. A part of the composite body became coarser and more solid, while the other part became finer and more flowing. Thus, this symbol shows the crystallization of the physical body in the etheric body, the life body. The next symbol, the hexagram, shows the two forces, positive and negative, masculine and feminine, etc. And the last symbol, a circle with a cross on top, represents the human eye, 
which transcends all other beings. Later we will hear more about these symbols. If a table of esoteric symbols, such as the one before us, is used for meditation, and if in so doing the verse below it is spoken properly and with understanding, then there, this is a big help in esoteric development. These tools develop spiritual muscles, in quotes, and should be used to this purpose by all pupils who would like to progress on the path of self-knowledge. The end of Record B, and now Record C. In the esoteric script above, the point represents the point that once constituted the entire human body. Its physical form began with only a point. From this point, an increasingly larger multiplicity evolved over the course of long ages. All the characteristic qualities of minerals of the dead world are present in the human being. So, too, all the characteristic qualities of plants, of the world of life or etheric world, and all the characteristic qualities of the animals, of the astral world. When, for example, individual senses are more developed as seen among some animals, this is only a consequence of a one-sided evolution of the animal at the expense of the versatility found in the human being. This unfolding into multiplicity from a point is expressed by the first symbol in the second row. The second symbol, which is like the first, begins precisely at the greatest unfolding of the first, again with a point. It is a universal phenomenon of life and evolutionary streams that after development has been fully achieved, something new begins to evolve. Indeed, again beginning with a point, as the embryo of a child within a matured mother. Here, to begin with, the start of spiritual development, of the conscious development of the I, is symbolized in Rosicrucianism. In the middle of the Atlantean age, the I in human beings that were evolved bodily, prepared for it, began to be conscious of itself. It was only a small point of light on whose development we are to work ever more consciously. The third line contains esoteric symbols for the four elements, and there's an upside-down triangle with a line drawn horizontally across closer to the bottom point. And that equals the earth. Solid symbolizes at the same time the physical plane. The most important chemical element is carbon as black coal or as transparent diamond. Carbon is in a certain sense the incarnation of the principle of the physical plane. In the plant world, carbon is removed in a relatively simple and clean way from the carbon dioxide in the air, which is provided by exhalation in animal and human worlds, and fixed. In coal and charcoal from kilns, we see before our eyes the main content of plants in the form of coal. In human beings, carbon is constantly being taken up from food, dissolved by oxygen from inhaled air, and exhaled as carbon dioxide. That is one phase of the life process. In early Lemurian times, when human beings began to form their physical bodies, oxygen, the air of life, was not in the form of a gas, but rather under the pressure conditions of that time, 
a liquid. Back then people drank oxygen. This element of life, oxygen, which incorporated the etheric or life principle, thereby became the prototype of the second element, of fluid, of, in quotes, water, as it is called an element in esotericism, and there's an upside-down triangle alone now, is the symbol for the element water, the etheric or life principle, and oxygen. If there were only oxygen in our atmosphere, then life would be consumed by life. It would unfold too quickly. Humans would not be able to experience enough. No characteristics of soul, no consciousness could evolve in the right way. The same tempo shows itself in the sun, where beings are caught up in an extremely fast evolutionary tempo that we humans are not up to. Plants too would always grow, on and on, if they were entirely exposed only to the etheric or life principle. Even with the plants, the astral must enter in, here externally, as a restraining element. For this reason, there is a restraining chemical element in the atmosphere, nitrogen. Now there's an image of a right-side-up triangle with a horizontal line up at the top, close to, but inside the triangle, close to the top point. This is the esoteric symbol for the element air, thus for all gases. And nitrogen is, as it were, the embodied principle of the astral, because it creates the possibility for the development of the astral in the human being. Finally, just a simple upright triangle is the symbol for the fourth element, fire, which in the widest sense means all warmth that permeates anything. Cold is merely a lower degree of warmth. Only when human beings could develop warmth within themselves, through their circulatory system, and what is connected with it, and could maintain a specific degree of warmth in all external temperatures, in which they can altogether live, could they develop within themselves an eye. Therefore the upright triangle is at the same time tri- is at the same triangle time a symbol for the eye. I'm going to read that my way. Therefore the triangle is at the same time a triangle symbol for the eye. This warmth is called forth by a kind of combustion in the human body and only in this way makes the conscious eye possible. This phenomenon of combustion is shown to us with sulfur. Again, an upright triangle with a cross underneath it is the esoteric symbol for sulfur the symbol for fire, for warmth, for combustion, with the cross, the symbol for the eye. Then the Mercury symbol again. This symbol points to the fact that through the sun, circle, and the moon, crescent, the preparation must occur so that the eye, cross, can arise. It is the symbol for Mercury, whose working is directed toward fostering the soul. It is simultaneously the sign for Quicksilver. Even earlier, when the working of Mercury began, at the beginning of human appearance on the present Earth, these human beings were still etheric, densely etheric. A split occurred in evolution, as always, a multiplicity. Something denser was separated off and made the rest so much the finer, more etheric. A separation between life ether and form, the physical, between the feminine and masculine principles. A similar process occurs when a substance that was dissolved in a liquid solution crystallizes out, for example, salt in water, 
The solution is uniform, middle density. Through precipitation, the solid element is separated out and thereby makes what remains behind less dense, finer, specifically lighter. Therefore, in esotericism, one frequently calls the solid that was separated from the liquid salt, and the symbol for it is a circle with a line that divides it into two parts. The hexagram, or Jewish star, this symbol signifies the Son of Man, the human being from the aspect of combining the two principles above, the masculine and feminine, indeed all four elements. From the four symbols of the elements one can assemble the hexagram. The inverted sign for Venus signifies the human being in its present state as a part of the earth. That's the end of that esoteric lesson. This is uh, the next esoteric lesson, which I believe is the last one in this section. I believe so. This was given uh, in Berlin on February 26th, 1908. Drawings from Rudolf Steiner's notebook, archive number 536. Record A, notes from Anonymous, from a notebook of Günther Schubert. Record B, manuscript from Mathilde Scholl and Lilla Harris. Record C, manuscript from Camilla Wandry. Record D, notes from Günther Wagner. The schematic drawn on the blackboard in this lesson differs very little in the various notes. In Rothsteiner's notebook, archive number 536, it is as follows, and there's a picture of it. Now begins record A. You will remember the esoteric maxim that stood as one of the pillars at the Munich Congress. Quote, in pure thought you will find the self that can sustain you. Close quote. You must consider that the truth of this maxim constitutes a large part of the esoteric life. All that people think and feel today can be divided into two separate areas. By far most human beings think and feel because of stimulation from external perceptions. Thoughts and feelings are enkindled by things. When you read scientific popular books, for example, concerning the origin of the earth, the evolution of the solar system, concerning chemistry and the like, do not think that what is therein contained came about in any other way than through stimulation from outside, through perception. In principle, it is entirely the same if you see a streetcar on the street and are thereby stimulated to thoughts about it. Or if an astronomer observes through a telescope the path of a star with the help of the arc of a circle, and then based on these perceptions makes calculations. All such thoughts that are stimulated from outside have a restraining effect on the further development of the astral body. When human beings sleep, their physical and etheric bodies lie in bed, and the astral body hovers above. It is active all through the night. All thoughts that a human being had during the day come to it. And since these are usually thoughts that were stimulated from outside, they burden the astral body. Only that part of the astral body that has maintained its harmony by being born out of the higher worlds works to restore the used-up etheric and physical bodies. But only those thoughts that are not stimulated from outside work as forces in the astral body to foster and purify it. Where do these thoughts come from? They originate in divinely creative beings. 
Knowing the thoughts of these divinely creative beings is incredibly important for esoteric pupils. These beings had the present-day world within themselves as thoughts at first, before they created it. At the very beginning, the will to create lay within them. The deed was present first. This stimulated feelings. And only out of feeling did thought arise after they created and consolidated the things. Thus the world is constructed according to thoughts. In human beings today, the performance of an action takes place in the opposite sequence. First, the thought is present, stimulated by an external object. This calls forth a feeling. And only then does the will principle appear in order to perform an action. All truly esoteric life can be developed only by taking up the thoughts of those divinely created beings. The thoughts before the creation of the world. The entire exoteric life is the enemy of this. Most human beings are entirely absorbed by thoughts from the exoteric life and seek to suppress the esoteric life. These people, of which there is a very large number, in truth hold back the progress of humankind, even if unconsciously. They are enemies of any progress of any kind. They bring about the rigidification of human beings. Only esoteric truths have a beneficial effect on the evolution of humanity. Now, it is an esoteric law that every single esoteric truth is used up after a time, and the leaders of humankind must see to it that a new one is proclaimed. However, many in esotericism say, quote, Why do we need a new truth? Close quote. Those kinds of people bring religion and every kind of esoteric progress to a standstill. It is, however, the task of a true esotericist to take care that his or her entire life of thought remains alive and flowing. This is achieved by taking in those thoughts of the divinely creating beings. These thoughts are working at night in the astral body and penetrate the etheric body. And if the effects of these thoughts in the astral body always get stronger and more effective with respect to the etheric body, then the moment draws closer that must come for every pupil sooner or later, when he or she becomes conscious of the spiritual world, when thoughts are impressed into the etheric body as a seal is pressed into wax. One of those thoughts is expressed in the Rosicrucian verse that we dealt with in the previous lesson. Today we want to consider the same verse from a somewhat different point of view. We know that Saturn was present first. In the course of the following lesson, apparently the following diagram was written on a chalkboard, and I won't describe it, uh, but there is one there. Matter on Saturn was not even air-like. It was a warmth matter. Human beings with today's sense organs would not even have perceived old Saturn. If they had found themselves at the place where Saturn was located, they would have felt only warmth. The Saturn human being consisted of warmth matter. The atmosphere of Saturn was fiery bloody. Human beings did not yet have any blood. But in the atmosphere above them lay the first seed of what became their blood later. 
The physical members were present only in seed form. If one observes with spiritual sight, looking over the planets, one can see how after a pralaya, old Saturn was transformed over into old Sun. One notices how the atmosphere of warmth on old Saturn was condensed into air. On the Sun, the human being received an etheric body. Human beings are radiant beings. Spiritual beings work through the astral atmosphere of the sun into the etheric body, enkindle it, and in this way cause it to shine. This process is called the sulfur process. Something very similar to this occurs today during thought. Through the fact that our fiery blood is brought to the nerve masses, a process of combustion takes place. A radiant shining occurs. In the transition from sun to moon, the air was condensed into water. The body of old moon is a body of water. We notice a large peculiarity with this body of water. At many locations, the individual drops of water display the strange aspect that they change their position with incredible liveliness and speed about and speed about with much room for movement. I'll read that again, a sentence again. At many locations, the individual drops of water display the strange aspect that they change their position with incredible liveliness and speed about with much room for movement. This characteristic of those drops of water can be compared in certain respects with that of quicksilver, mercury. For this reason, this principle which is newly added on the moon is called the mercurial principle. But that is not all. You know that every reproduction occurs when the female cell divides, and these cells then divide and so forth. If you take a platter that has fine powder strewn over it and stroke a violin bow on the edge of the platter, then the particles of powder will be ordered according to the inner force of the tone. Something similar occurred on Old Moon. A cosmic sound permeated the entire body of the moon and organized those particles of water in many places. The feminine principle thereby came into existence. The masculine principle did not exist yet. In the transition from moon to earth, the water was condensed to earth. On the earth, for the first time, a clarification, a separation occurred, which is called the salt process. Furthermore, the earth had within itself the masculine principle, without which no further evolution was possible. Human being resulted from this. On earth, the human being received the eye, the erring eye. If we, now if we now observe this evolutionary series, we see at first the four elements, fire, air, water, earth, as in the first line of the verse. In the second line follow sulfur, mercury, and salt. In the third line, the feminine and masculine principle, which have the actual human being as a crowning in the fourth line. Thus understood, the old Rosicrucian verse acquires significance. Quote, who understands the working of the numerals, sees how his world is built, at first cipher, seek the four, the elements everywhere. From it, see the three 
begin to stir. Spirit, soul, body, given to you. The two arise from sun and moon. From this grows the son of man, unequaled in this world, who surpasses all earthly kingdoms. Close quote. That's the end of record A, record B. There is an essential difference between humans and the gods. For the most part, human beings have been formed from without, by the external universe. They see objects and have thoughts and mental pictures about them. These thoughts cause feelings in humans in relation to the named objects. And finally, through their feelings, their will is stimulated, the will that gives them the impulse to act out of themselves. Exactly the opposite is the case with the creative gods. There the will comes first. The will to create, the creative will, causes a certain feeling in these gods. As a consequence of this feeling, the creative thought appears, and this thought is crystallized into form. During the Saturn period there was only one element, fire. Nevertheless, it was not expressed as fire, but rather as warmth, just as we have fire in our blood as warmth. On the other hand, during the Saturn time there was no light. There could be no light, because the cosmic ether did not permeate or fill Saturn, and therefore at that time conditions were as they would be now if our ether were outside the earth. At that time the rays of the sun could not illuminate our globe. During the period of the sun, the cosmic ether permeated the globe. Saturn was brightened, shone like the sun and became the sun. Another element was added, air. And when fire and air were combined, combustion results, and the fire that was hidden becomes visible as light. This process of combustion is represented in occult writings symbolically as sulfur, triangle with a cross underneath, and is the foundation for all thought. Therefore it corresponds to feeling in the process of divine evolution. One can say that the Saturn period was will, the Sun period was feeling. During the moon period, cosmic astrality permeated the globe, and the third element, water or moisture, was added to the other two. Certain small spheres of water appeared in the atmosphere. They moved here and there with great speed and permeated everything, so that something very similar to quicksilver appeared. Hence, that kind of activity is characterized in esoteric writings with the symbol for Mercury. This kind of activity is the third stage of divine evolution. It is the stage of creative thought. Just as the Saturn state represents the stage of willing and the Sun period the stage of feeling. This creative thought is revealed as sound, in quotes. And through this sound, the bodies of the human beings and the animals are formed in the water of the plant. During the Saturn period, the foundation for the body was expressed as warmth. In the Sun period, it was condensed into air. Now, during the Moon period, the inner heat of the planet on the one hand and the cold of the surrounding cosmic space on the other hand created moisture. And we have then the water stage, during which the foundation for the physical body was condensed into water. 
However, this activity is of a negative sort, and thus during the moon epoch, the first of the two polarities appears, the feminine. During the earth period, the fourth element is added, while the warmth of the Saturn period combined with the air of the sun period to produce combustion, and through cooperation of the cold of surrounding space, moisture content was brought forth. Now, through the cooperation of fire and water, heat and moisture, crystallization is produced, and thus we have the fourth element, earth. That is also the fourth stage of divine evolution. And the willing, the feeling, and the creative thought of the three preceding periods allow the form of the fourth stage to come into being, the physical human being of the earth period. Thus, form has been achieved. The four elements created it. Yet, were form everything, then crystallization would soon bring an end to further evolution. Thus, the negative feminine pole of the being of the moon period is supplemented by the masculine or positive. What was achieved by the combustion of the sun period, the activity of the moon period, and the crystallization of the first half of the earth period The human being, humankind, the conscious thinker, has begun to dissolve again so that evolution can further progress. That means that the principle of crystallization is restrained by the principle of dissolution. That is the principle of evolution, salvation from the prism of matter. In esoteric writings that is called salt. This is also shown in another method of esoteric writings, as is indicated below. First the four, there's a square, which represents the elements, then the three, an upright triangle, namely sulfur, mercury, and salt, and then the two, which represent masculine and feminine, and finally the one, which represents the thinker, the human being. That's the end of record B. Record C. Practicing esotericism means thinking the thoughts of God. All esotericism is given to us as the thought content of divine spiritual beings, which should continue working in the soul and be enkindled into life. How do we become able to receive such thoughts of God? Here a certain technique must be indicated that serves to make one able to enkindle such thoughts into true life. The astral body is lifted out of the physical body in sleep. Human beings then live in the sea of the astral world. They swim, so to speak, in the sea of wisdom, of divine thought. But they do not know that, because for the most part their astral body is dulled, darkened by the thinking of the erring eye that is bound by the senses during everyday life in the external world. They reproduce this in the night. However, in the astral body there is a very small part that has, so to speak, remained as the divine astral body was in primal times, from which the astral body of the human being was born. This very small part has never been darkened by drives, pleasures, desires or passions, which pull the human being down. It has remained virginal. Only this virginal part of the human astral body can still live in this sea of divine thought during the night. 
It can be active in this ocean of light, this light of wisdom. But during everyday life, we know nothing of this experience, or we sense it only dimly. It is constantly drowned out, swallowed by the loud confusion of the everyday life of the senses. Through the kind of thinking found in esotericism, we enrich again in full consciousness during the day this virginal part of our astral body. We cause it to grow. We strengthen it so that at last it becomes strong enough to convey its impressions to the, so to speak, tough or solid etheric body. It makes an impression on the etheric body as a seal leaves an impression in sealing wax. Then the spiritual world opens for us with full, clear, day consciousness. We can live in the sea of divine thought consciously. That, so to speak, is the technique. Then we can think the thoughts of God in full clarity and purity. We are led and guided to this experience by our Rosicrucian teacher. Divine thoughts are set down in specific signs of the esoteric script. They are not arbitrarily thought up. These signs correspond to forces that weave through the world. This esoteric script can be found in all esoteric schools and all truly esoteric teachings are written in it. In learning to read such an esoteric script, pupils learn to survey the great world relationships. They recognize the evolution of the world and of themselves. They come to know the goal and purpose of their path of development. Such an esoteric script is handed over to you today. Learn from it to think the thoughts of the gods by letting your soul dwell on this script in contemplation. From this script you will learn how the world and humankind originated in divine thought. You will learn how humans, through taking divine thoughts into themselves, find again the path back to their God with such a script. From something point-like streams everything. A point signifies the primal beginning. What constitutes the entire human being was once compressed in a point. Multiplicity sprang forth from a point. Even still today, the human physical body, in the mother's body, begins its existence in a point, the embryo. Thus the human being began with a cosmic, spiritual, point-like existence. The multiplicity of human bodily members, with all the forces that work in them, arose from this point. In the human being all the characteristic qualities of the mineral, plant and animal worlds are present. They all work together in humans today. To be sure, in animals, individual characteristics are more developed than in humans. That is only the consequence of a one-sided evolution in animals that has taken place at the expense of diversity. The human being is many-sided, manifold. Pupils read this evolution toward manifoldness when they look at the script. The evolution is indicated in the second row. There, every figure begins again with a point. There, the general phenomenon of the stream of life's evolution is indicated. After full development has been achieved, 
everything returns to a point like seed. And what then comes anew to join it again begins its evolution from the point to which it has become joined. That is the point that works as the embryonic point in the body of the mature mother. The eye streams forth from the womb of God, unconscious of itself. The long path through the planetary evolutions clothes it with its bodies, within which it becomes conscious of itself as an eye. And finally, of its divine origin. The Rosicrucians present this in this esoteric script. Human beings began their evolution on Saturn. They possessed only a dark body of warmth. In this warmth, the beginnings of our physical bodies were formed. After Saturn had achieved its highest development, it went into a seed state, a point, pralaya. From this then arose the sun condition. The new was added. The sun had a luminous body of air. Why did it shine? Because gradually the etheric body entered into it. From outside it became part of the dark warmth and a kind of combustion took place. Breathing is also such a process. Even today it is occurring in human beings. Thought arises through a process of combustion. Divine spiritual beings worked on the sun through their astral body, which was like a mantle around the sun with its etheric body, in which they sacrificed to the being of the sun. In this way the sun became visible, glowing and shining. Again, everything became a point, which is a seed for the moon condition. There, everything is condensed further into a watery state, In many places little spheres are formed. They are independent, in constant movement, just as quicksilver behaves today, but not yet metallic. They are stopped in their motion by sound. Where this comes from, of that later. The sound worked in the same way that one today can construct on a clodney plate. Sound forms there certain figures. And thus sound then worked on the little watery spheres of the moon so that a certain structure was formed by one attaching to another at first, then two to two, and so forth. In this way, the greatest multiplicity of forms appeared. The esotericist sees in the ice flowers that form on windows the process through which the formative forces at work in the watery element are being repeated. The grotesque moon beings arose through the effects of cosmic sound on the watery substance of the moon. The sound worked from outside on the moon, which felt itself as the feminine, receptive and form-giving. On the earth, the feminine works thus, that through its forces cells are composed into specific forms, ears, noses, limbs of the human body coming into being. The moon was something cosmic feminine. This principle was present more than the masculine, which came into being only in the earth condition. A further solidification occurred on earth. From the watery element, the solid element precipitated out, and the watery element became finer. Now from pure earth forces, the masculine element arose, and only in cooperation between 
the masculine and the feminine, can the earthly human being come into being. Thus from 4, 3, 2, 1 is formed the square. Number one, operation of fire, two, excuse me, Number one, operation of fire, Saturn. Number two, operation of air, sun. Number three, operation of water, moon. Number four, operation of earth, earth. Above is the, up, is the right side up triangle, which again dissolves everything as it is experienced backward with knowledge. That is, it leads to spiritualization, to the point, to the I in the human being that represents Adam Kadmon, the pure human being through the cooperation of the masculine spirit and the feminine spirit. This pure human being carries out combustion, movement, dissolution, that is, the sulfur process of the sun age, the quicksilver mercury process of the moon age, the dissolving salt formation process of the earth condition, and repeats these processes in advancing forward. And therein exists at the same time the construction, the building of future planetary states, Jupiter, Venus, Vulcan. They cannot arise unless humans become co-workers, co-creators on the work of the gods. That is, and there are some pictures then. Thus, past and future are expressed in this drawing, and the human being in the middle of it as something point-like and effective. The human descent into the four elements began in Lemurian times. Human beings were surrounded by their physical sheaths. They put on their earthly clothes. Here the most important chemical element is carbon, be it as black coal or as transparent diamond. Carbon was deposited as the densest element. In terms of esotericism, it is the incarnation of the principle of the physical plane. At the same time, this symbol signifies the solidification of the physical body. That's the end of record C. This is record D. Saturn, entirely substance of warmth, also the beginnings of the human being. Present-day human beings would have noticed nothing of it. In passing through, they would have noticed only a warmer temperature. Sun condensed to air, but the sun was visible. It glowed or shone, indeed, through a kind of combustion process. This combustion is symbolized for us by sulfur. Moon condensed further, indeed at last at the beginning, to liquid water. At many places in this fluid moon mass, small particles were formed that were active, moving constantly in a lively fashion. Present-day quicksilver is an example of this. Through a sound that came from the outside, concerning where it came from later, these particles were joined together into forms, in a way similar to sound figures. First two joined together, then every two into four, and so forth, as today still every new life form of plant, animal, and human being comes into being. This is the principle of the feminine. The feminine was present sooner than the masculine on Earth's earlier physical forms of existence. Finally, the Earth was condensed to the solid element Earth. Only the presence of the solid, along with the fluid, made possible the process of dissolution as salt in water. Salt is the prototype for this. Parenthesis, sulfur, quicksilver, salt. Close parenthesis.
The stimulation for formation in the feminine now appeared on the earth itself, the masculine principle. And from all of this the present-day human being evolved. Seen physically, the theater of existence for humans became increasingly complicated. From this, four, three, two, and one, the figure above is formed. Below is the square of the four elements. Above is the triangle of the three principles, sulfur, mercury, and salt, combustion, movement, and dissolution. The two points, twofold sexuality, and the one point, the human being. Consider the verse. Who understands the working of the numerals sees how his world is built. At first, cipher, seek the four, the elements everywhere. From it, see the three begin to stir, spirit, soul, body, given to you. The two arise from sun and moon. From this grows the son of man, unequaled in this world, who surpasses all earthly kingdoms. That is the end of Record D and the end of this section of the, of the readings.